Part four of Omnilingual by H. Beam Piper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four. Ivan Fitzgerald finally isolated the germ that had caused the Finchley girl's undiagnosed illness. Shortly afterward, the malady turned into a mild fever from which she recovered. Nobody else seemed to have caught it. Fitzgerald was still trying to find out how the germ had been transmitted. They found a globe of Mars made when the city had been a seaport. They located the city and learned that its name had been Kukan, or something with a similar vowel-consonant ratio. Immediately, Sid Chamberlain and Gloria Standish began giving their telecasts a Kukan deadline, and Hubert Penrose used the name in his official reports. They also found a Martian calendar. The year had been divided into ten more or less equal months, and one of them had been Doma. Another month was Nor, and that was a part of the name of the scientific journal Martha had found. Bill Chandler, the zoologist, had been going deeper and deeper into the old sea-bottom at Sirtis, four hundred miles from Kukan, and at fifteen thousand feet lower altitude, he shot a bird. At least it was something with wings, and what were almost but not quite feathers, though it was more reptilian than avian in general characteristics. He and Ivan Fitzgerald skinned and mounted it, and then dissected the carcass almost tissue by tissue. About seven-eighths of its body capacity was lungs. It certainly breathed there, containing at least half enough oxygen to support human life, or five times as much as the air around Kukan. That took the center of interest away from archaeology and started a new burst of activity. All the expedition's aircraft, four jetticopters and three wingless airdyne reconnaissance fighters, were thrown into intensified exploration of the lower sea-bottoms, and the bioscience boys and girls were wild with excitement and making new discoveries on every flight. The university was left to Selim and Martha and Tony Latimer, the latter keeping to himself while she and the old Turco-German worked together. The civilian specialists in other fields, and the Space Force people, who had been holding tape lines and making sketches and snapping cameras, were all flying to Lower Sirtis to find out how much oxygen there was, and what kind of life it supported. Sometimes Sachiko dropped in. Most of the time she was busy helping Ivan Fitzgerald dissect specimens. They had four or five species of what might loosely be called birds, and something that could easily be classed as a reptile, and a carnivorous mammal the size of a cat, with bird-like claws and a herbivore almost identical with the pig-like thing in the big Dorf Hulva mural, and another like a gazelle with a single horn in the middle of its forehead. The high point came when a party, at thirty thousand feet below the level of Kukan, found breathable air. One of them had a mild attack of Soroki and had to be flown back for treatment in a hurry, but the others showed no ill effects. The daily telecasts from Terra showed a corresponding shift in interest at home. The discovery of the university had focused attention on the dead past of Mars. 
Now the public was interested in Mars as a possible home for humanity. It was Tony Latimer who brought archaeology back into the activities of the expedition and the news at home. Martha and Selim were working in the museum on the second floor, scrubbing the grime from the glass cases, noting contents, and grease-penciling numbers. Latimer and a couple of Space Force officers were going through what had been the administrative offices on the other side. It was one of these, a young second lieutenant, who came hurrying in from the mezzanine, almost bursting with excitement. "'Hey, Martha! Dr. von Ohmhorst!' he was shouting. "'Where are you? Tony's found the Martians!' Selim dropped his rag back in the bucket and laid her clipboard on top of the case beside her. "'Where?' they asked together. "'Over on the north side.' The lieutenant took hold of himself and spoke more deliberately. "'Little room, back of one of the old faculty offices, a conference room. It was locked from the inside, and we had to burn it down with a torch. That's where they are, eighteen of them around a long table.' Gloria Standish, who had dropped in for lunch, was on the mezzanine fairly screaming into a radiophone extension. "'Dozen and a half of them. Well, of course they're dead. What a question. They look like skeletons covered with leather. No, I do not know what they died of. Well, forget it. I don't care if Bill Chandler's found a three-headed hippopotamus. Sid, don't you get it? We found the Martians!' She slammed the phone back on its hook, rushing away ahead of them. Martha remembered the closed door. On the first survey they hadn't attempted opening it. Now it was burned away at both sides and lay, still hot along the edges, on the floor of the big office room in front. A floodlight was on in the room inside, and Latimer was going around looking at things while a Space Force officer stood by the door. The center of the room was filled by a long table. In armchairs around it sat the eighteen men and women who had occupied the room for the last fifty millennia. There were bottles and glasses on the table in front of them, and had she seen them in a dimmer light, she would have thought that they were merely dozing over their drinks. One had a knee hooked over his armchair and was curled in fetus-like sleep. Another had fallen forward onto the table, arms extended, the emerald set of a ring twinkling dully on one finger. Skeletons covered with leather, Gloria Standish had called them, and so they were. Faces like skulls, arms and legs like sticks, the flesh shrunken onto the bones under it. "'Isn't this something?' Latimer was exulting. Mass suicide, that's what it was. Notice what's in the corners? Braziers made of perforated two-gallon-odd metal cans, the white walls smudged with smoke above them. Von Ohmhorst had noticed them at once, and was poking into one with his flashlight. Yes, charcoal. I noticed a quantity of it around a couple of hand-forges in the shop on the first floor. That's why you had so much trouble breaking in. They'd seal the room on the inside. He straightened and went around the room, until he found a ventilator and peered into it. Stuffed with rags. They must have been all that were left here. 
their power was gone and they were old and tired, and all around them their world was dying. So they just came in here and lit the charcoal, and sat drinking together till they all fell asleep. Well, we know what became of them now, anyhow. Sid and Gloria made the most of it. The Terran public wanted to hear about Martians, and if live Martians couldn't be found, a room full of dead ones was the next best thing. Maybe an even better thing. It had only been sixty-odd years since the Arson Wells invasion scare. Tony Latimer, the discoverer, was beginning to cash in on his attentions to Gloria and his ingratiation with Sid. He was always either making voice and image talks for telecast or listening to the news from the home planet. Without question, he had become, overnight, the most widely known archaeologist in history. Not that I'm interested in all this for myself, he disclaimed after listening to the telecast from Terra two days after his discovery. But this is going to be a big thing for Martian archaeology. Bring it to the public attention. Dramatize it. Selim, can you remember when Lord Carnivon and Howard Carter found the tomb of Tutankhamun? In 1923? <laughs> I was two years old then, von Olmhorst chuckled. I really don't know how much that publicity ever did for Egyptology. Oh, the museums did devote more space to Egyptian exhibits. And after a museum department head gets a few extra showcases, you know how hard it is to make him give them up. And for a while it was easier to get financial support for new excavations. But I don't know how much good all this public excitement really does in the long run. Well... I think one of us should go back on the Cyrano, when the Schiaparelli orbits in, Latimer said. I hoped it would be you. Your voice would carry the most weight. But I think it's important that one of us go back, to present the story of our work and what we have accomplished, and what we hope to accomplish to the public, and to the universities, and the learned societies, and to the Federation government. There will be a great deal of work that will have to be done. We must not allow the other scientific fields and the so-called practical interests to monopolize public and academic support. So I believe I shall go back at least for a while and see what I can do. Lectures The Organization of a Society of Martian Archaeology with Anthony Latimer, Ph.D., the logical candidate for the chair. Degrees, honors, the deference of the learned and the adulation of the lay public. Positions with impressive titles and salaries. Sweet are the uses of publicity. She crushed out her cigarette and got to her feet. Well, I still have the final list of what we found in Halhulva, biology department, to check over. I'm starting on Sornhulva tomorrow, and I want that stuff in shape for expert evaluation. This was the sort of thing Tony Latimer wanted to get away from. The detail work and the drudgery. Let the infantry do the slogging through the mud. The brass hats got the medals. She was halfway through the fifth floor a week later, and was having midday lunch in the reading room on the first floor, when Hubert Penrose came over and sat down beside her, asking her what she was doing. She told him. I wonder if you could find me a couple of men for an hour or so, she added. 
I'm stopped by a couple of jam doors at the central hall. Lecture room and library, if the layout of the floor is anything like the ones below it. Yes, I'm a pretty fair doorbuster myself. He looked around the room. There's Jeff Miles. He isn't doing much of anything. And we'll put Sid Chamberlain to work for a change, too. The four of us ought to get your doors open. He called to Chamberlain, who was carrying his tray over to the dishwasher. Oh, Sid, you doing anything for the next hour or so? I was going up to the fourth floor to see what Tony's doing. Forget it. Tony's bagged his season limit of Martians. I'm going to help Martha bust in a couple of doors. We'll probably find a whole cemetery of Martians. Chamberlain shrugged. Why not? A jam door can have anything back of it, and I know what Tony's doing, just routine stuff. Jeff Miles, the Space Force captain, came over, accompanied by one of the lab crew from the ship who had come down on the rocket the day before. "'This ought to be up your alley, Mart,' he was saying to his companion. "'Chemistry and physics department. Want to come along?' The lab man, Mart Tranter, was willing. Seeing the sights was what he'd come down from the ship for. She finished her coffee and cigarette, and they went out into the hall together, gathered equipment, and rode the elevator to the fifth floor. The lecture hall door was the nearest. They attacked it first. With proper equipment and help, it was no problem, and in ten minutes they had it wide open enough to squeeze through with the floodlights. The room inside was quite empty, and like most of the rooms behind closed doors, comparatively free from dust. The students, it appeared, had sat with their backs to the door facing a low platform, but their seats and the lecturer's table and equipment had been removed. The two side walls bore inscriptions. On the right, a pattern of concentric circles, which she recognized as a diagram of atomic structure, and on the left, a complicated table of numbers and words in two columns. Tranter was pointing at the diagram on the right. They got as far as the Bohr atom, anyhow he said. Well, not quite. They knew about the electron shells, but they have the nucleus pictured as a solid mass. No indication of proton and neutron structure. I'll bet when you come to translate their scientific books, you'll find that they taught that the atom was the ultimate and indivisible particle. That explains why you people never found any evidence that the Martians used nuclear energy. That's the uranium atom. Captain Miles mentioned. Is it? Sid Chamberlain asked excitedly. Then they did know about atomic energy. Just because we haven't found any pictures of A-bomb mushrooms doesn't mean... She turned to look at the other wall. Sid's signal reactions were getting away from him again. Uranium meant nuclear power to him, and the two words were interchangeable. As she studied the arrangement of the numbers and words... She could hear Tranter saying, Not Sid. We knew about uranium a long time before anybody found out what could be done with it. Uranium was discovered on Terra in 1789 by Klaproth. There was something familiar about the table on the left wall. She tried to remember what she had been taught in school about physics and what she had picked up by accident afterward. The second column was a continuation of the first. There were forty-six items in each, each item numbered consecutively. 
probably used uranium because it's the largest of the natural atoms, Penrose was saying. The fact that there's nothing beyond it there shows that they hadn't reached any of the transurantics. A student could go to that thing and point out the outer electron of any of the ninety-two elements. Ninety-two! That was it! There were ninety-two items in the table on the left wall. Hydrogen was number one, she knew. One. Sarfald Sarn. Helium was two. That was Turfal Sarn. She couldn't remember which element came next, but in Martian it was Sarfal Davos. Sarn must mean matter or substance, then. And Davos, she was trying to think of what it could be, she turned quickly to the others, catching hold of Hubert Penrose's arm with one arm, and waving her clipboard with the other. "'Look at this thing over here,' she was clamoring excitedly. "'Tell me, what do you think it is? Could it be a table of the elements?' They all turned to look. Mort Tranter stared at it for a moment. "'Could be. If I only knew what those squiggles meant.' That was right. He'd spent his time aboard the ship.' "'If you could read the numbers, would that help?' she asked, beginning to set down the Arabic digits and their Martian equivalents. "'It's a decimal system, the same as we use.' "'Sure. If that's a table of elements, all I'd need would be the numbers. Thanks,' he added as she tore off the sheet and gave it to him. Penrose knew the numbers and was ahead of him. Ninety-two items numbered consecutively. The first number would be the atomic number.' then a single word, the name of the element, then the atomic weight. She began reading off the names of the elements. I know hydrogen and helium. What's Trifaldavus, the third one? Lithium, Tranter said. The atomic weights aren't run out past the decimal point. Hydrogen's one plus, if that double-hook dingus is a plus sign. Helium's four plus, that's right. And lithium's given as seven. That isn't right. It's 6.940. Or is that thing a Martian minus sign? Of course. Look. A plus sign is a hook to hang things together. A minus sign is a knife to cut something off from something. See? The little loop is the handle, and the long pointed loop is the blade. Stylized, of course, but that's what it is. And the fourth element... Kiradavas, what's that? Beryllium. Atomic weight given as nine and a hook. Actually, it's 9.02. Sid Chamberlain had been disgruntled because he couldn't get a story about the Martians having developed atomic energy. It took him a few minutes to understand the newest development, but finally it dawned on him. Hey, you're reading that, he cried out. You're reading Martian. That's right, Penrose told him, just reading it right off. I don't get the two items after the atomic weight, though. They look like months of the Martian calendar. What ought they to be, Mort? Tranter hesitated. Well, uh, the next information after the atomic weight ought to be the period and group numbers. But those are words. What would be the numbers for the first one, hydrogen? Period 1, group 1... One electron shell, one electron in the outer shell, Tranter told her. Helium's period one, two, but it has the outer only electron shell full, so it's in the group of inert elements. Trav. 
Trav. Trav's the first month of the year. And helium's Trav. Yeneth, Yeneth is the eighth month. The inner elements could be called Group 8, yes. And the third element, lithium, is Period 2, Group 1. That check? It certainly does. Sanv, Trav, Sans, the second month. What's the first element in Period 3? Sodium, number 11. That's right, it's Krav, Trav. Why, the names of the month are simply numbers, 1 to 10, spelled out. Doma's the fifth month. That was your first Martian word, Martha, Penrose told her. The word for five. And if Darvas is the word for metal, and Sornhulva is chemistry and or physics, I'll bet Tadava Sornhulva is literally translated as of metal matter knowledge. Metallurgy, in other words. I wonder what must Thornavard means. It surprised her that after so long, and with so much happening in the meantime, he could remember that. Something like journal or review or maybe quarterly. We'll work that out, too, she said confidently. After this, nothing seemed impossible. Maybe we can find... Then she stopped short. You said quarterly. I think it was monthly instead. It was dated for a specific month, the fifth one. And if nor is ten, Masthornavod could be year tenth. And I'll bet we find that Masthor is the word for year. She looked at the table on the wall again. Well, let's get all these words down with translations for as many as we can. Let's take a break for a minute, Penrose suggested, getting out his cigarettes. And then let's do this in comfort. Jeff, suppose you and Sid go across the hall and see what you can find in the other room in the way of a desk or something like that, and a few chairs. There'll be a lot of work to do on this. Sid Chamberlain had been squirming as though he were afflicted with ants trying to contain himself. Now he let go with an excited jabber. This is really it! The it, not just it of the weak, like finding the reservoirs or those statues or this building, or even the animals and the dead Martians. <laughs> Wait till Selim and Tony see this. Wait till Tony sees it. <laughs> I want to see his face. And when I get on the telecast, all Terra's going to go nuts about it. He turned to Captain Miles. Jeff... Suppose you take a look at that other door while I find somebody to send to tell Selim and Tony and Gloria. Wait till she sees this. Take it easy, Sid, Martha cautioned. You'd better let me have a look at your script before you go too far overboard on the telecast. This is just a beginning. It'll take years and years before we're able to read any of those books downstairs. It'll go faster than you think, Martha, Hubert Penrose told her. We'll all work on it, and we'll teleprint material to Terra, and people there will work on it. We'll send them everything we can, everything we work out, and copies of books and copies of your word lists. And there would be other tables, astronomical tables, tables in physics and mechanics, for instance, in which words and numbers were equivalent. The library stacks below would be full of them. Transliterate them into Roman alphabet spellings and Arabic numerals, 
somewhere somebody would spot each numerical significance as hubert penrose and mort tranter and she had done with the table of elements and pick out all the chemistry textbooks in the library new words would take on meaning from context in which the names of elements appeared she'd have to start studying chemistry and physics herself Sachiko Koremitsu peeked in through the door and then stepped inside. Is there anything I can do? she began. What's happened? Something important? Important? Sid Chamberlain exploded. Look at that, Sachi. We're reading it. Martha's found out how to read Martian. He grabbed Captain Miles by the arm. Come on, Jeff, let's go. I want to call the others. He was still babbling as he hurried from the room. Sachi looked at the inscription. "'Is it true?' she asked, and then, before Martha could more than begin to explain, flung her arms around her. "'Oh, it really is! You are reading it! I'm so happy!' She had to start explaining again when Selim von Olmhorst entered. This time she was able to finish. "'But, Martha, can you be really sure?' You know by now that learning to read this language is as important to me as it is to you. But how can you be so sure that those words really mean things like hydrogen and helium and boron and oxygen? How do you know that their table of elements was anything like ours? Tranter and Penrose and Sachiko all looked at him in amazement. That isn't just the Martian table of elements. That's THE table of elements. It's the only one there is. Mort Tranter almost exploded. Look, hydrogen has one proton and one electron. If it had more of either, it wouldn't be hydrogen. It'd be something else. And the same with all the rest of the elements. And hydrogen on Mars is the same as hydrogen on Terra or on Alpha Centauri or in the next galaxy. You just set up those numbers in that order and any first-year chemistry student could tell you what elements they represented, Penrose said. Could if he expected to make a passing grade, that is. The old man shook his head slowly, smiling. <laughs> I'm afraid I wouldn't make a passing grade. I didn't know, or at least didn't realize, that. One of the things I'm going to place an order for to be brought in on the Schiaparelli will be a set of primers in chemistry and physics, of the sort intended for a bright child of ten or twelve. It seems that a martiologist has to learn a lot of things the Hittites and the Assyrians never heard about. Tony Latimer, coming in, caught the last part of the explanation. He looked quickly at the walls, and having found out just what had happened, advanced and caught Martha by the hand. "'You really did it, Martha!' You found your bilingual. I never believed that it would be possible. Let me congratulate you. He probably expected that to erase all the jibes and sneers of the past. If he did, he could have it that way. His friendship would mean as little to her as his derision, except that his friends had to watch their backs and his knife. But he was going home on the Sereno to be a big shot. Or had this changed his mind for him again? This is something we can show the world to justify any expenditure of time and money on Martian archaeological work. When I get back to Terra, 
I'll see that you're given full credit for this achievement. On Terra, her back and his knife would be out of her watchfulness. We won't need to wait that long, Hubert Penrose told him dryly. I'm sending off an official report tomorrow. You can be sure Dr. Dane will be given full credit, not only for this, but for her previous work, which made it possible to exploit this discovery. And you might add, work done in spite of the doubts and discouragements of her colleagues, Selim von Ohmhorst said, to which I am ashamed to have to confess my own share. You said we had to find a bilingual, she said. You were right, too. This is better than a bilingual, Martha, Hubert Penrose said. Physical science expresses universal facts. Necessarily, it is a universal language. Heretofore, archaeologists have dealt only with pre-scientific cultures. End of Part 4 End of Omnilingual by H. Beam Piper This book recorded by Phil Chenevere